How do we overcome our losses, be they of a loved one, a relationship, a career, a place that we lived? That's what I want to discuss today on episode 23 of the Be Yourself and Love It podcast. I'm Anthony Samarov. This is going to be a compilation of clips from live streams that I've done on Facebook with a little bit of commentary, so I put them together for you, and I think this will be of real value. Good grief! That is what we're talking about today, the importance of healthy grieving today, of good grief. Thank you, Charlie Brown. And a lot of people are now aware that we, through the course of our life, inherit psychological wounds, some of them by our childhood experiences and some of them by later traumas and also we all suffer losses in our life, losses of bonds, of attachments and this is not just when people die or we lose a loved one. As we get older we might lose some of our faculties, we lose the independence of youth when we can be a lot more free and our parents are paying the bills, we can't always just sit around playing computer games on the weekends when we grow up. Access to places, rituals, all sorts of things, partners, of course. And people are now increasingly aware of the importance of undergoing a grieving process. But if you ask someone what to do to grieve properly, they're very unlikely to be able to give you any information on that. So I'm going to give you at least an exercise. Maybe if something strikes me, then you'll get more than one. Please, if you think this will be useful, share it on your wall, share it on your wall, share it on groups and things like that. So I'm not just speaking to the same people. I love you guys, but I want to speak to new people. And the way that I do that is through the kind people who share it on their wall. So there's a few things that you need to progress with your grieving process and the first one is awareness awareness of the need of grief but also awareness of any wounds that you uh, may be avoiding grieving actually we should talk about some of the the symptoms which would allow you to know that perhaps you've got some incomplete grief and i think things that are pretty telltale signs are people being forever sad or angry or depressed or just completely numbed out. Uh, numbing out is a way of avoiding uh, unpleasant emotions and you'll notice people whose mind uh, strays can also be quite emotional. It's quite hard to just stay in the body. If you have trouble just sitting down cross-legged for 10-20 minutes, which is the majority of people, that can be a good indicator that you've got a lot of unprocessed emotions. And even chronic illnesses or depression can be certainly obesity can be linked to incomplete grief ennui addictions feeling like there's no point loss of faith in other people or life uh, uh, like the life itself uh, and just exaggerated emotional reactions and then there's the avoidance of topics and not just topics but say places or people or activities that might be associated with the losses that are that are the grief that our grief for is in complete for so this is one of the things that you can look at do you suffer from some of these symptoms and sometimes maybe can they, they be linked to particular periods in your life or events a major one is grieving for the life we could have had oh if i'd just done this this and this then 
maybe I would have got that job and I would have had this career. If only I could be more focused, then I could have been successful at something that I'm not successful at. Perhaps uh, if I played my cards right with someone, I'd be married to them by now, but didn't have the awareness that I have now. These are things that, that we may need to grieve for. And you can actually, after you watch this video, write an inventory of maybe uh, six to a dozen things that were major events in your life that you're not sure that you've fully grieved for. I, I know something that gets me sometimes is once uh, several years ago, I lost a memory stick with some plays and things that I was working on. And sometimes I say to people, you know, I'm still not over that because there was some really great work on it. And uh, I don't believe that I would be able to replicate that. So there's a grieving process for some for the loss of something like that. So first thing I said uh, was awareness. That's very necessary. And second thing is to have a pro-grief attitude. In other words, that it's okay to have negative emotions and to have people around you that will indicate that they too have a good grief policy. You know, the people, the kind of people who don't bat things down and say, well, look in the bright side. Oh, are you still moaning about that? But you have so much to be thankful for and all these uh, associated cliches. Uh, look on the bright side. It could have been worse. Well, that's nothing, right? These are people who don't actually know how to be present for you. And you can check out my YouTube channel. I have got a video called Can Empathy Be a Learned Skill? If you type that into YouTube, you'll find it. I'm just going to interrupt this live stream to play you a clip from it because it will help you understand what you might expect from others if you want help grieving. This is the kind of thing you could accept from a close friend or you could see a professional like myself. You can email me at anthony at beyourselfandloveit.com if you're struggling through something. But it'll also teach you how to be there for others. But you also need to know what you need. So this will help you know what you need in terms of support. It can be practiced and learned, but to empathize with others, you need to be able to empathize with yourself first. And I think it's important to tune into yourself several times a day and actually put names on what you're feeling. Because when you want to empathize with others, what you're going to get is a felt sense of how they feel. And that comes in through your own feelings. So if you're not in touch with your own feelings, it's going to be harder to empathize. Another tip which I find really effective is paraphrasing what someone has said in your own words in a sentence and adding an emotion to it. So that would sound like, well, it sounds like, it seems like you're really frustrated because X, Y, and Z, or I wonder if you're feeling angry because such and such, or yeah, I get it. I mean, so-and-so happened and you ended up feeling really guilty about it. The great thing about doing that is, one, it demonstrates to the other person that you're listening and that you've understood them. And people get this kind of drop of relief that comes out of them when they hear someone echoing what their experience is. It's like, oh, someone understands. It's like a weight drops. And secondly, a lot of time people are quite up in their head and they're not 
connected to their feelings so it draws a wee string down from their head to their heart so to speak when you say that and it gets them in touch with what they're feeling they'll be like yeah exactly and it usually encourages people to expand more and unpack it and go a bit deeper like a layer cake it's like there's a bunch of thoughts then some icing then some thoughts and then some icing and the icing in between is like that emotion underlying those thoughts the other thing that I find is if you get the emotion wrong, it's still usually helpful because it's like a point in a radar that helps them locate where the actual emotion is. So if you say, so you, yeah, it sounds like you were frustrated about that. And like, it's not that I was frustrated. I felt more like guilty because da, 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 da. Just actually, even if you don't get the emotion right, it usually is still helpful because it helps people use it as a locator on their map to zone in on where they are actually experiencing some difficulty. So there's a couple of routes. Well, one is exactly that, tuning into yourself more and more. Another one is the fake it till you make it approach, paraphrasing what other people are saying and putting a feeling in it. That helped me a lot because when I had a lot of experience of trying to identify other people's feelings, my capacity for empathy grew. The more I practiced it, the more naturally it came to me to be able to empathize especially when I saw how much it helped people. It helped people much more than giving advice. I think the approach that I always try and take, and it's not just for coaches or counsellors or therapists, it's actually useful for everyone, which is to not take responsibility for the other person, but to offer a space for the other person to explore what's going on for them. Listen, ask questions, show a lot of curiosity, draw them out, and you'll get some kind of cue from another person when they know that they're ready to receive advice or information or your experience or your views on what they're saying. And that way, instead of trying to strong arm them into doing what you think is right for them, you actually build up a full picture of what's going on for them. So if you do offer them something, you are coming from a place of fully understanding them and they feel like they're understood by you so they don't feel like you're interrupting them or taking responsibility for them. They more feel like you've listened to them and want to share your thoughts and experiences. And I find that makes people a lot more likely to take any advice you have to give them. But it's also they're reflecting on what you're saying and integrating it into what they already know rather than you sort of pouring your copious amount of knowledge into them like you're a jug and they're a cup and you're sort of seeing them as just a means to an end that you want to put your superior knowledge into. You want to be fully understood and people to know what you want before telling you what's good for you and I guess one way to tell if people are really curious and what your interests are and to help you or maybe if they're good at it is that they actually ask questions and show a lot of curiosity and try to build a full picture before telling you what to do. So you want to have awareness, you want to have the notion that it's it's okay to have negative feelings and to be open to going into those feelings and exploring them. Particularly, I think journaling is excellent. Seeing a practitioner such as myself, you can get in contact with me if you think that getting in contact with me would help you. And then there is basically learning to be there for yourself. This is an extension of, of what we're talking about. 
uh, the extension of having a good attitude towards negative emotions because you can have a good attitude towards them but still not know what to do. So what we're talking about is being able to actually take some effective action. And as I said, I'm going to give you an exercise for that. So you need to learn to be there for yourself. That's actually what life is all about. Learning to be an adult, learning to be there for yourself, to take care of yourself. And that makes you powerful in such a way that it makes you increasingly capable of helping others as well and also doing the things that you want to do so you get a lot of satisfaction out of life. The better you learn at being there for yourself, the more space you've got to build upon that foundation. So you need to weed the garden and then you need to plant flowers. If you don't weed the garden, then the flowers ain't going to grow. So here's your grief exercise if you found this useful please share it and this was inspired by a friend of mine because she said that she needed to grieve her childhood but she didn't know how to do that so spontaneously I thought of an exercise that might would be helpful for her because she was talking about the kind of parenting that she received and the kind of parenting she didn't receive and I said well I think a really great way to help you grieve the childhood since you feel sad about it but you don't know what to do is to write a journaling exercise, spend a long time put going into as much detail about the kind of childhood you would love to have had in an ideal world. Uh, talk about the kind of mentorship that you would have had, the adults around you, how they would have listened to you, what interest they would have taken into you, what they would have done to help you cultivate your capacities. Because a lot of people who get in touch with me are more intelligent than the average person, but also more empathetic and sensitive and aware than the average person. And as a consequence of that, the loss of not having very inspiring adults who were as interested in them in all these things and the, and the thoroughness of life left them with a lack of mentorship, left them with a lack of an ability to fully reach their potential because there wasn't people there to garden them and to help them bring out, out their gifts and now they're dealing with being not as well accomplished as they would have liked to be by this stage in their life. So if you don't know the difference between what you got and what you wanted, that leaves a lot of space to not be clear and anything that's vague and nebulous creates resistance. You could write down a florid description of your ideal childhood and just see what emotions will come up when you do that and uh, feel them out and write about how those feel. Uh, writing about events is not as powerful as writing about what you think and feel about those events. So always comment on everything afterwards. And through this exercise, you might get access to, to some of those emotions and it can also help you begin the process of compensating and finding ways to get what you didn't get that you wish you'd got in the future. If you write your 6 to 12 items that you think you would want to grieve for, then this will also help you um, get some inspiration for writing, doing some journaling about those and being able to comment both on what you feel and think about them, not just the events themselves, not just what happened, but the emotional content. If you would like to get in touch with me personally and get some counselling to help you through some of these issues, you can email me anthony at beyourselfandloveit.com. The next clip is from a live feed called The Grieving Process Deepens, which takes off where that last one finished. A while ago I put out a live stream called Good Grief, 
And I wanted to speak a bit about some developments in my own grieving process and the way that I've approached it and some of the things that I've been learning from that really recently from turning in. Because sometimes I experience a part of myself comes up that feels a deep sadness, real sad, and it feels really ancient. And since I've made my last video on grieving and how to do it, um, given some tips for doing that, uh, that's really been on my mind and become very apparent to me that this, this part is really deeply sad. And so I've tried to give it more attention and just observe those feelings in my body when I'm lying in bed in the morning or or in the evening and giving it that kind of attention is pretty good especially if you can find um, a location in your body associated with that but I was wanting to deepen that process and see if there was something that I could do to to get closer and to get some resolution and in fact when I was journaling I was journaling about this part and thinking you know what is it that this part needs to heal and just like that the first word that came into my head was closure and I you know that's a here I need closure it sounds like such a cliche but I didn't really know what that meant so I closed my eyes and I looked inward and I said well you know how would I get closure on this and the part said talk to me and I was like okay well, I was surprised by that. And this is the important thing to like trust the process of asking yourself and your intuition because um, I was surprised about it because, you know, when you're sad, you want to talk. You don't want someone to talk to you. But I took it as a cue and I said, well, you know, I've tried to feel around inside myself and say, what do you want me to talk to you about? Um, and I guess um, I just asked... I kept on digging and the part more or less told me that it was sad that it was never really taken seriously when it was growing up and I had visions of, you know, say sitting me now with myself, with my younger self as a child beside the piano and um, showing my older self my songs or my projects, things that I wrote and it said it wanted part people around that were curious about my emotional world and and I thought you know what, the reason why this is difficult is I always have a part that tells me I like my life, you know, and I do, I love my life, but that will get in the way of the grieving process because every time I try and tune in to what I'm sad about, I have this part that comes in that says, yeah, but life's great, you know, if, if things had gone the other way, you wouldn't be doing this and you wouldn't be doing that. And that's valid as well, that's valid and it's true, but it's getting in the way, so of me listening to the sad part. So I had to ask that part that wants to reassure me to move out the way so I could really listen to this part. And and that was the risk here because when it said I wanted people to be interested in my emotional world and take me seriously, I'm finding myself thinking instantly, well, I'm interested in you. And, and you know, that's true as well. But if you've watched my last video called Don't Bright Side Me, again, you can find it on my YouTube channel, you'll see why that's not really an effective thing to say in all circumstances, because it's consoling. Consoling isn't always as effective as offering understanding. And this is something that's kind of hard to do in the inner world, because someone else can offer you understanding. But when you're looking inside, you're, you've got a whole 
bunch of things going on. One part wants to console you. One part wants to take you seriously and listen to you. So anyway, I was managed to say, I will take you seriously. And at least now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all yours now. I'm, I'm here to listen to you. And what it wanted me to do was to picture the life I might have had if some of these things that I regret not pursuing had come about. And, you know, you might start thinking, you know, what's the point in that? Like, I like my life now. Like, why? And I didn't know what it was either. But I, I kind of just went away with my imagination. And I forgot all this, forgot all about this part for a while. And I just started imagining certain relationships going differently, certain career moves going differently. What if I pursued this instead of that? And But I actually made a vision of a life in my head that was better than the life I have now because I'm very inclined to say whenever I try and think how things might have been, there's a part of me that's very inclined to go, to be honest, even if that thing had gone well, you didn't really have the resourcefulness to make the most of it. And I, I believe that's true. You know, I've learned from my own life the resources that I needed. And if I'd got the life I wanted, maybe I wouldn't have had the resourcefulness to deal with it. But I imagined it in a context where I did have that resourcefulness and I learned about it. And suddenly after maybe five to ten minutes of this visualization, I realized that I'd forgotten all about the part that asked me to create this vision so I tuned back into it and I said how are you and it was like I feel a lot better I was like in fact I didn't even say that it was just subliminal I knew it felt better and all it said to me was I just wanted to take be taken seriously I just wanted to be taken seriously and then I knew that that part this part of the grieving process was complete because the reason why I needed to take that vision and make it a real thing and try and imagine the life I didn't have was instead of always saying, oh, but things are just great now. You know, I've, I I like my life now. Things are going in a good direction. That Imagine, you know, you were upset and you said to someone all those things and they just came in and said, well, you know, you've got a pretty good life now. You wouldn't really feel like you were being taken seriously. So if you want to deepen your grieving process, Take five or ten minutes aside and just sit um, on the bed or I, I, you can sit cross-legged like a Buddhist, like a meditator and just feel into your emotions, feel into your sadness and take it seriously. And any voices that come in and intercede and try and bright side you, just ask them to step aside. You don't need to be mean. You don't need to say, I shouldn't be thinking that. Just practice your mirroring, say, right, so you're feeling sad because X, because you didn't get the attention you needed, you didn't, and, you know, work up to saying, well, what can I do for you now? And maybe a little visualization will help. Now, if you found this video helpful, please share it. I know that you will get something out of sharing it. <laughs> It shows your unconscious that you take it seriously, If you, not only if you practice, but if you share the video. And if you would like some one-to-one -one help deepening your grieving process, I'm available for counselling and coaching. So send me a quick message, anthony at beyourselfandloveit.com. That would be the best email address to get me at. 
Thanks for tuning in. Okay, before we wrap up for today, I just want to play an excerpt from my other video, Don't Brightside Me Bro. You can hear the whole thing on YouTube. You can watch it if you want. The reason why I'm including it is it includes a couple of important insights about emotions being triggered that haven't been included in the other media. And the important thing to remember is usually when people do this, they're not being pernicious. They usually do want to help, but they don't like seeing you in pain, so they try and console you. Uh, they try and get you to turn your emotions off. They don't know any better. Usually they don't know how to do with their own emotions. If someone doesn't let you be angry, it probably usually means that they don't know how to handle their own temper. They don't like being angry. Or if they don't like you being upset, if they can't stand you being upset and they keep on offering solutions, it's because they don't know how to deal with their own despair. I mean, I was in a situation not that long ago over a a friend of mine and eventually I got irritated at her for trying to solve my problem. The thing is, I was completely happy being miserable. Uh, well, not completely happy, but you know what I mean? I was okay. I understood that I was undergoing a grieving process at the time and I was okay with feeling shitty, but she wasn't. But, you know, we discussed it. I maybe snapped at her a bit at the time and over the next day or two she understood because I told her, you know, you don't have to do anything, you don't have to solve my problem, you just being here is helping, otherwise I wouldn't have come over to your house to hang out with you, you know, I would have just stayed at home. So this yields an important insight about getting over your stuff which is be okay with feeling bad, embrace it because a few days later, and I put it down to the fact that I just looked straight into the pain. I just went straight into it and didn't hold back. And I took a lot of time to just be with that pain. I journaled. I practiced affirmations. I practiced other methods. But the main thing is I paid attention to myself. And I allowed myself to feel what I was feeling. And, and because of that, I got over it quickly. Where I think when I've been in similar positions in the past... It may have taken months or even years because I just let it drip, drip, drip over time rather than staring it straight in the face. Anyway, here's a little bit more advice from the YouTube video, Don't Brightside Me Bro. Check out the whole thing if you like what you hear. Brightsiding is a word that I invented for the phenomenon of telling people to look on the bright side or just think of things differently to try and get them to change their feelings. Don't brightside me. I've said it to friends before. The thing I love about the term is that when I'm having a hard time and I tell someone about it and they try and correct my feelings and tell me to feel differently or to look on the bright side and I say, don't brightside me. They know exactly what I mean when I tell them. And they, they go, oh, oh, sorry. And I've been in situations where I've had people do that to me and I've told them not to brightside me and I said you know even just saying wow that sucks that's enough so if you would like to know the big secret how you can console people without being a patronizing bastard stay tuned okay well the first thing to realize is that once a emotion is triggered you can't make it go away just like that just by looking on the bright side and you, the only really way to, to help someone is to meet them where they're at. You don't have to agree with the reaction. You might think they're being irrational. You don't. You can save off on saying that for a while. You can just identify the emotion that they're feeling and uh, reflect it back to them. Wow, that sounds like you're really frustrated. You sound really angry about that. 
that's really disappointing. Oh, I'm sorry. It sounds like you're feeling upset. Now, if you can do that for someone, the chances are they'll respond to you with something like, well, yeah, I am, because... And then they'll go into their explanation of why. And you don't really need to say very much at all. You can just go, really? No kidding. Hmm, how about that? Uh, I see. No fooling. You did? <laughs> wow, that sounds really rough. Now, it might sound patronizing out of context, but it's a lot less patronizing than telling someone to look on the bright side or take the philosophical approach or that it might make them feel better or they might see things differently later. In fact, they will see things differently if you give them your attention. And again, you don't have to believe in any wrong perceptions or overblown accounts of what happened, but you don't have to correct their account either. The fact is that if you can give people your attention and just validate their emotions by you accepting the emotion, that gives them the ability to accept the emotion and then the emotion gets processed and fizzles away. You see, when kids are young, one minute they are fighting with each other, the next minute they are laughing and their best friends Again, why is that? Well, because they accept their emotions. They accept their emotions and then they process those emotions and then there's no blockage. But uh, then we get told things, to, well, we get in situations where it's not appropriate to feel our emotions immediately and that's fine. You shouldn't be going into emotional outbursts at work or in front of the kids necessarily. There's lots of situations where it's correct to put your emotions on pause and it's good that we have the ability to do that but they are not meant to be permanently on pause because all that happens is you end up feeling completely dead to life and there's a whole bunch of people going around that because they can't accept their negative emotions they can't experience any positive emotions either so that's why when someone gets angry and you tell them don't get angry they blow up because uh, you're just forcing them to push their emotions down and down and down until it's like a pressure valve and just like a kettle, it boils over. So don't bright side people. You don't have to accept their judgments of the situation, but what you can do is just acknowledge their emotions. And the very interesting thing is that what happens when you do this, usually each time you reflect back what you're hearing and what you can do is you can tell them what you've heard in one sentence. You can paraphrase, you can summarize what they've just told you in one sentence. So it sounds like tell them back what they've told you and they can go, yeah, exactly. Or they can go, no, it's not that, it's more like this. And you've still helped them, but because by telling them where they're not at, you've helped them locate where they are at. It's like a point on a radar. So you'll find that once you've done that two or three or four times, their emotion drops each time. And eventually when the emotion has dropped completely, they will become more open to what you have to say. You can tell your own similar experiences. You might even give them your advice. They, they will be more likely to take the advice if you have taken the time to empathize. Please click the share button, pump that share button and share this on your wall. I rely upon you. Uh, a lot of people would like to do some good in the world where here is here is a completely free way to do some good in the world and that send this video in a little Facebook message or post it up on your wall or post it up in a group to whoever you think would benefit from it. So hold off on telling your own stories, hold off on 
sharing your own experiences or wisdom or telling the other person what to do. People hate being told what to do when they're emotional. But if you can empathize with them in the ways that I've suggested, when they're feeling better, they will cock their heads to the side and they'll become receptive to whatever you have to say. And they are more likely to take your sage wisdom on board. You, The best thing to do, uh, the secret really, is to drop the idea that you have to do something. You have to do something to fix someone else. You thinking you have to help them and solve their problem is an impediment to you helping them. Actually, you want to help them empower themselves to solve the problem. And you do that by reflecting back what you hear. It's a Jedi mind trick. Now, you may be amazed to know there is a whole playlist of videos on improving your communication skills on my YouTube channel. You just type Anthony Samroff into YouTube. You'll find my YouTube channel and there's a playlist full of free videos on improving your communication skills. I would encourage you to feast at the all-you-can-eat buffet of free self-help material and use them to improve your life and to improve your relationships. And then I would like you, well, I think it would benefit you to save up your pennies for the personal development program that I spent eight months putting together to help people just like you improve their state of mind and become a lot happier in life. And you can find my course at beyourselfandloveit.com under the course tab. If you dedicate the time to doing the exercises on this course, I expect that you will see massive improvements in your state of mind, your relationship towards yourself. You'll know how to meet your own emotional and psychological needs better. You'll be more authentic in relationships. It'll be easier for you to take responsibility for your life. And the great thing is the course is guaranteed. That means if you buy the course and you do the exercises and you don't think it was worth it, I will refund every single penny you paid for the course. So you're under no risk if you take my course. One more time, please share this video. I rely upon you to do my work, which is to help people improve their lives and hopefully improve the whole world as a consequence of that. Thank you very much. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you next live feed. Just to pop in one more bit of information about my course, module four of the course is called emotional well-being and that will really help you with your grieving process if that is of particular interest to you until next time be yourself well don't just be yourself be yourself and love it